big surprises. Dear friend, I have to tell you about the first time I met Maddie's family. You might get a real kick out of this. As I stood at Maddie's doorstep one hot and uncomfortable summer night, both excited and afraid, I hoped it would be the last time I'd ever have to meet her girlfriend's father. I was absolutely certain of my love and commitment to Maddie by this point, but I was far less sure of what her family might think of me. I wanted to make the perfect impression. I wanted them to see me as more than just a scrawny college kid with his head stuck in the clouds. I wanted them to see a young man filled with love and passion, focused charisma and unrelenting determination, and a clear sense of not only where he was going in life, but how he was going to get there. I hoped they would see someone deserving of sharing that journey with their daughter someday. At the moment, I was a bundle of nerves and playing a mental game of fight or flight. It's funny, actually. Here I was, a pretty seasoned performer who was used to presenting himself to audiences of hundreds of people, nearly petrified to say or do the wrong thing in front of Maddie's family. You may remember that I had already met her mother when DJ briefly dated her in high school, but this felt very different. The stakes were now so much higher. I was reintroducing myself to Maddie's mother in a whole new way, and I suspected meeting her father and her older brother would be a whole new ballgame as well. I stepped up to the doorbell whispering to myself, reciting the same old pep talk I used before big performances. You can do this, Eli. Remember, breathe, listen, and enjoy the moment. You got this. I took a deep breath. I rang the doorbell. And I waited. I could hear footsteps, like an erratic heartbeat bouncing and bumbling about searching for its rhythm. I could hear music playing in the background, soft but bright. And I could hear Maddie's voice, like an angel, excited and anxious to receive her first set of wings. I could tell she was wrapped up in the same bundle of nerves I was. I listened to the scene unfolding inside and wondered how my entrance might affect it. I looked down and noticed my shirt had come untucked. I began nervously tucking it back in. The final footsteps came, and the door opened. When I looked up, I froze. The man before me was smiling. He wore his grin like an old familiar friend. Well, hello, Eli. It's a pleasure to finally meet you. M Mr. Woz? I finally spit out. Uh, technically, it's Mr. Wozniak. But I suppose you can still call me Mr. Waz if you want to. Uh, thank you, sir. But I think I should call you Mr. Wozniak. It's nice to see you again. You too, Eli. Just then, Maddie ran up to the door and gave me an enormous hug. Eli! Sorry it took me so long to get to the door. I was helping my mom finish setting the table. She turned to her dad, who was still grinning. Dad? Did Eli already say something funny? I told you he has a great sense of humor. I looked at Mr. Wozniak and began mentally preparing my side of the impending story. How am I supposed to explain this one to Maddie, I worried. This might be one story she doesn't find very amusing. But to my pleasant surprise, Mr. Wozniak didn't say a word about our first meeting all those years earlier outside the tennis courts. He just looked lovingly at his daughter and said, Yes, sweetheart. He does seem like a pretty funny guy. And with that, they welcomed me into their home for the first time. The rest of the night seemed like a breeze compared to my grand introduction. 
Maddie's mother was warm and welcoming and had prepared a wonderful dinner for all of us. Her brother Nate made me feel right at home in no time. He made it easy on me, talking sports and college for most of my visit. Turns out he had recently graduated from the University of New Mexico himself and was a fan of their football and basketball programs. I was happy to see we already had some things in common. I could tell Maddie was excited about that too. Every time she walked by, she would smile or playfully high-five one of us if we said something she agreed with. Nate would say, I think this might be the year the Lobos win that Mountain West football title. That one got a high-five, so I added my two cents to the conversation. Well, with a name like Rocky and coming off another bowl appearance, Coach Long should have us ready to rock this year. That one got a high-five from Maddie, too, and a smile from Nate. Things were going well. Now, Mr. Wozniak didn't say a lot throughout the night, but he also didn't make me feel unwelcome or uncomfortable. I think he was just content listening and observing more than anything else. He did begin to ask some questions about my interest in theater and performing, though. Eli, do you like classical theater, or are you more of a contemporary guy? I had a feeling this might be a bit of a test. I figured I was lucky he was testing me on something I actually knew a thing or two about. Not to sound like a cop-out, I answered, but I'm actually a fan of both. As a performer, I tend to feel more comfortable doing more modern stuff. Realism and comedy are probably my favorites. Anything from Tennessee Williams to Neil Simon, that kind of thing. But, of course, as a student and fan of theater overall, I've always admired the legends like Sophocles and William Shakespeare, of course. Mr. Wozniak seemed to perk up after I mentioned the old standbys. So you like Shakespeare, too. A man whose words have stood the test of time. That's good. You have a favorite play or monologue that stands out? Maddie seemed to sense it was testing time as well. Dad, Eli's on summer break. He just passed his theater history class. With an A. I was enjoying the moment, though, myself. Yes, sir, I do, I replied. This has always been one of my absolute favorites. Macbeth, Act 5, Scene 5. I decided to go for it. Tomorrow, and tomorrow, and tomorrow. Creeps in this petty pace from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools the way to dusty death. Out. Out, brief candle. It's a dark and dawning way to look at life, I know, but there's a kind of beauty in those words. And I just love the imagery in the rest of that speech, too, with the walking shadow and all. It's definitely one of my favorites. Mr. Wozniak smiled again. Only now, it was as if he was meeting a new friend for the first time. He looked over to Maddie and said, This kid's got a silver tongue. I like it. And with that, I could tell I was absolutely welcome in their home. I'll always remember that night, especially how wonderful it was to watch Maddie interact with her family. The love they shared was crystal clear, and it was easy to see that Maddie played a uniquely important role. She was the one everyone felt comfortable around. In the weeks that followed, it also became clear she was the one anybody could come to for help, support, or loving advice. She was the one that put a smile on everyone's face, by way of her calming demeanor and also by her enthusiastic personality and positive energy. Maddie knew when to be serious and when to have fun. Her outlook on life was infectious. It was like finding a diamond in the rough. I felt so fortunate to have made that discovery. 
I couldn't wait to introduce her to my family. By the time Johnny returned home for leave a couple of weeks later, Mom and I had already planned a dinner date with Maddie at our house. She was going to meet everyone for the first time. It was a big deal. And for some reason, Mom put a lot of pressure on herself to make a good impression. As usual, she was going to do her best to prepare the perfect southern meal. So again, just like she had done a few years earlier for Johnny and Ashley, she worked tirelessly to make this dinner date one worthy of enjoyment and appreciation. I knew that's exactly what we were in store for with Maddie as the honored guest. It was almost stressful watching my dear mother whip up another big feast. But in this case, I was also relieved to see that she cared so much about my relationship with Maddie and wanted to make her own perfect first impression. For dinner, we had decided to go with my personal favorite, fried pork chops with fried okra, mashed potatoes and gravy, and southern-style coleslaw. We would finish it off with homemade peach cobbler topped with vanilla bean ice cream. We couldn't fail with a feast like that. The day of the dinner date turned out to be an eventful one. Dad ended up getting called into work, an unwelcome occurrence that happened far too often over the years. This time, however, he told his boss he would only come in if he could make it back home in time for dinner. He didn't want to miss spending more time with Johnny or meeting Maddie for the first time with the rest of the family. Mom had hoped he might be able to help with a little bit of the cooking prep or cleaning that day, but she understood he was just doing what had to be done for the family. Dad rarely said no to going into work, even on his days off. It was a quality we all admired while simultaneously lamenting the fact that he had to do it so much. I suppose that was his price to pay in order to be such a valued employee at the company he worked for. He really was one of the best they had. Unfortunately, Mom ended up forgetting one of her key ingredients for the pork chop batter when she went grocery shopping the day before. It was just paprika. The pork chops could have certainly survived without it, but like I said, Mom expected the meal to be absolutely perfect. So she ran out to the store to grab a bottle. Johnny and I were asked to do some final cleaning while she was gone. This was the first time Johnny and I had been alone since his return from Kosovo. I saw it as a great opportunity to catch up and find out more about how my big brother had been while we were apart. I'd been busy telling everyone around me, including Johnny, all about my first year of college and all about Maddie, of course. I was so excited about the direction my life was going that I couldn't shut up about it. But now Johnny was home after seeing and doing things a world away from us, and I wanted to hear all about that, too. As we began unloading the dishwasher, I asked him about his time away. So what was it like in Bosnia and Kosovo, Johnny? He thought for a moment. It was alright. It had its ups and downs. I mean, some people over there are really cool and welcoming, especially the local kids. They'll just run up to us American soldiers and start playing soccer with us. They're freaking good, bro. And everything is real cheap to buy over there, too. Like, you can get 50 CDs for around 10 to 20 bucks. Anything you want, really, for next to nothing. But there's also some serious tension in that area. You always feel the threat of conflict. I set the plates in my hand down. Oh, wow, um, I didn't really know. You mean, like, it's dangerous? I thought Bosnia and Kosovo were pretty safe at this point. Isn't NATO just helping to maintain peace over there? I had been doing some research while he was gone. Johnny stopped putting the knives away and looked at me. I can't say much, Eli. Not, not really allowed to. But the unit I was a part of had to go to a few different places, and uh, we definitely saw some bad stuff over there. Especially in Kosovo. 
seems like the Serbs and Albanians over there are always fighting with each other. We're just doing our part to help keep the peace, like you mentioned. Then he said something that will be etched in my memory forever. But fighting for peace can often be more difficult, and even more dangerous, than fighting for any other cause. That's been my experience, at least. I always knew there was a reason to worry about Johnny during his missions there. But you guys were okay, right? You guys were safe and all? Johnny just grinned. I was familiar with that reaction, but I could tell this particular smirk was a cover for the parts of the story my brother couldn't share with me. He said, Of course, you know your big bro's always okay. Me and the guys have each other's backs over there. It's a different world, but we make the most of it. I offered a conciliatory grin of my own. So you still like being a soldier then? An American hero. You know you're my biggest hero, Johnny, that's for sure. A genuine smile stretched across his face. Yeah, I still like it. It has its perks. Uh, don't tell mom and dad yet, but I met President Bush when I first got back to the States. I was even honored by him for my service. Got an award and everything, little bro. I couldn't believe it. Wow, Johnny, th that's amazing. Mom and dad are going to be thrilled. You have to tell them. Like, tonight. Johnny laughed. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll tell them real soon. But not tonight. Tonight is your night. And Maddie's. You little lovebirds. Eli and Maddie sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S. Just then, Mom stormed into the kitchen. Boys, you haven't even finished unloading the dishwasher yet? Come on! I I've got to start making dinner or it won't be ready before Maddie gets here. Eli, start setting the table. Pick whatever china you want. You can even use the set from Poland. It's a special occasion after all. And Maddie is part Polish, right? She smiled. I smiled back. Partly because the irony of putting a traditional southern meal on Polish dinnerware wasn't lost on me. But it was also sweet to see my mother going to such lengths to make the evening one to remember. Okay, Mom, I said. I'll figure it out. I headed for the dining room. When Johnny was done putting the last dish away, he headed for his old room at the end of the hallway. Hey, I'm going to take a quick power nap and then get cleaned up for dinner. Give me a holler if you guys need anything else, though. I began setting the table. I couldn't help but share a little bit of what Johnny had told me with Mom. Hey, Mom. She was already busy chopping the ingredients for the coleslaw. She didn't even stop to look up. Yes, dear? I continued. I know you're working really hard on dinner and all. I appreciate it so much, by the way. But I've got to tell you something. Johnny mentioned some stuff about his experience in Bosnia and Kosovo, and I'm kind of worried about him. It sounds like he's doing some amazing things as a soldier. He's really taken the world by storm in that regard. But I have this feeling that something's off. I can feel it in my gut. Like, he's happy, but he's not happy. Like, you know, he's somehow conflicted. Does that make any sense? Mom finally looked up, but continued to mix the coleslaw. I don't know, Eli. I'm not really sure what you mean. I tried my best to explain. Well, have you noticed anything different about him since he's been back? I mean, he looks great. He, he sounds like a soldier. He, he acts like a soldier. He's such an amazing man, you know? I'm really proud of him. I'm sure you are, too. But then, behind all of that, he still seems kind of sad. 
And I think he saw some stuff over there that really affected him. I don't know. It just seems like he hasn't wanted to go anywhere or do much of anything. We haven't even played catch yet. We always do that. It's usually the first thing that we do. I'm just worried about him, that's all. Mom put down her mixing spoon and walked over to me. Eli, it's okay to be concerned about your big brother. I know how much you look up to him. But I wouldn't worry about him too much. Johnny's tough. He's always been a fighter. I'm sure it's just a big adjustment for him right now. I think it's always hard when our soldiers first come back home from places like that. I know it was for my father when he came back from Japan. Johnny will be alright. But you know what I think? I think your brother still misses Ashley, even after all this time. That girl broke his heart. A crying shame. Maybe you should ask him to play catch before dinner tonight. It might cheer him up. I liked that idea. I finished carefully placing the remaining pieces of Polish stoneware on the dinner table. Mom continued whipping up her culinary miracles in the kitchen. I grabbed Johnny and I's baseball gloves and headed for his room. When I got to his door, it was cracked just enough for me to peek in. I expected to see him sleeping and was already thinking about the nicest way to wake him up. But instead, I found him sitting on the edge of his old bed and writing in a book of some sort. I think it was a journal. It was odd. I had never seen Johnny write in a journal before. I actually recall a time when he teased me for writing in one as a teenager just a few short years before this. Guys, don't write in journals, little bro. Don't ever let your friends or a girl catch you doing that. Might be even worse than getting caught, you know. I laughed at the time, though I never thought it was funny. The journal Johnny was writing in somehow looked both old and new. The coloring of the paper itself was stark white. I could tell the pages behind the one Johnny spoke to at the moment had never been touched. But the borders along the edge of the book were tattered and even torn in parts. I could see small watermarks on the outside of it, and it was clear the sun and my brother's journal had met many times before. From the outside, one might look at this book and see years of abuse or abandonment. But I could tell by the way Johnny held it, the way he looked at it, nothing could be further from the truth. I wanted so badly to read what he was writing. I somehow knew it was a story worthy of an audience, even if only an audience of one. Johnny was the conductor, and his journal, the orchestra, both telling the songs and storms of his life story. I wanted to understand what Johnny had seen and experienced during his time away from us, to understand what he was feeling. It was obvious he was feeling so much. Tears welled up in his eyes, like a distant monsoon storm building and about to explode. I wanted to say something. To do something. To be my brother's audience. But standing there at his door, peeking in unseen, I was suddenly that skinny, freckled-faced fifth grader again, watching my big brother fight another battle alone. This time, it wasn't so much fear that kept me from going in. It was uncertainty. What could I possibly do to make him feel better? Maybe he just needed some time. Maybe he needed to be alone. Maybe he needed his journal to be his audience of one instead of an orchestra telling the world his story. I stepped away from Johnny's door, but the old wood veneer beneath me groaned loudly. Johnny jumped up, dropping his journal, 
Eli, uh, is that you? Everything okay in the kitchen? When I opened his door, he was wiping the tears from his eyes. Oh, yeah, Johnny. Sorry, I didn't mean to wake you up or anything. Is everything okay in here? He continued to rub his eyes. Oh, definitely. I just kind of had a bad dream that spooked me a little. And my eyes are hurting. You know how this desert heat dries you out. I was still holding on to our baseball gloves. It sure does. Hey, it's finally cooling down out there. Want to play some catch before Maddie gets here? I threw him his glove. He caught it. As he bent over to put it down, he said, uh, Sorry, not right now, bro. I've still got to get cleaned up. But I was thinking maybe we could have Maddie play with us sometime soon. If she's going to be with my little brother, she's got to be able to catch and throw a baseball. <laughs> we both laughed. That was a good sign coming from Johnny. He wanted to like my angel. He wanted to make her feel welcome. When Maddie came over for dinner that night, everything felt perfect. It was exactly what I had hoped for. Dad was home from work, all cleaned up and instantly charming Maddie, and she was charming him right back. They talked with ease about anything and everything. The weather, the beauty of a desert sunset, work and school, goals, dreams, the importance of family and faith, and of course, a detailed breakdown of how her and I had met and why we fell in love. Well, I can see why my son was drawn to you, Maddie. What made you settle for our sweet Eli, though? Dad winked at me. Maddie didn't miss a beat. Well, now that somebody's finally asked me, that's a great question, Mr. Andrews. <laughs> we all laughed. Mom had indeed cooked the perfect meal, and not much was said while we were eating it. Mom's always said that's the sign of a truly good feast. It tastes so good, it'll make you smack your granny down, she would say an old southern joke that none of Johnny and I's friends ever understood. I could tell that Mom was taken by Maddie, too, lovingly hanging on her every word and smiling throughout the evening. Like Mr. Wozniak, Johnny didn't say much for most of this first meeting. He, too, seemed more content simply listening and observing. From time to time, I'd catch his eye enough to see that he was paying attention. The way I saw it, Maddie couldn't be ignored. Her enthusiasm and energy filled the room. Every time I walked by Johnny, I would say, Isn't she amazing? Just like I told you. And funny too, right? Johnny did laugh out loud a few times at some of the cute things she said. But I could also tell his mind was miles away at times. Perhaps he was still thinking about the conversation he and his journal were having earlier that day. After finishing the best peach cobbler and vanilla bean ice cream I think I've ever had, I offered to help Mom with the dishes. I intentionally set up Maddie and Johnny to talk in the living room. Maddie could get anyone to talk to her. I figured her and Johnny could start getting to know each other better. As I suspected, it didn't take long. Maddie had Johnny talking her ear off in no time. I would check in on them periodically. It was obvious Johnny was opening up to her about some things. I heard him tell her that the last couple of years had been the hardest but most important of his life. I found out a lot about myself by just being with myself, you know? Maddie shook her head she could always make people feel understood. I also overheard him telling her that I was a really great guy, that he believed I was going places in life, and that she should be careful not to break my heart. Johnny said he knew from experience just how much a broken heart hurts. Mom and I cleaned the kitchen from top to bottom for a good 45 minutes. As I was drying off the last dish, I overheard the rest of Maddie and Johnny's conversation. Oh no, I thought. 
I was afraid it might come up. I swear, Maddie, Eli and I would never do something to hurt Mr. Waz, even before we knew you. He's the absolute coolest. And damn, he's fast. Or at least he used to be. I ran into the living room, hoping Maddie wasn't upset. When I got there, she and Johnny were laughing hysterically and up on their feet high-fiving. He really chased y'all through the desert? And your shoe fell off? <laughs> oh my god! Maddie couldn't stop laughing. Johnny put his arm around her. Mr. Waz's daughter, huh? Looks like Eli found an angel for sure. I couldn't resist. I walked over and put my arms around both of them. That's right. My hero and my angel. Now we just have to find one for you, big bro. Just then, the doorbell rang. Johnny answered the door. His body froze, and his life changed forever. It was Ashley Underwood. Ashley and two beautiful little girls. She quickly tried to explain, Hi, Johnny. It's been a long time, I know. I am so, so sorry for everything that happened before. I heard you were back in town. I wanted to see you and... Johnny stopped her. Why are you here, Ashley? She took a deep breath. Well, I lied to you before. Uh, about everything. Kara, get up here. She nudged one of the little girls toward Johnny. Okay, sweetie. Say hi to your daddy. And just like that, the rhythm changed all over again. And it's a rhythm worth hearing, no doubt. But what I just realized is this. I've never thought about it until this very moment. I wonder what Ashley was thinking before she rang our doorbell that night. I wonder how she was feeling. Was she nervous and afraid? Was she excited and hopeful? Or was she desperate? Was she conflicted? Did Ashley think Johnny deserved to know the truth? That she deserved forgiveness? Did she want love again? Did she want to do the right thing, even if it was the hard thing to do? Or did she see an opportunity? Was she willing to take advantage of the situation? Did she need help? Did Ashley see a better future for herself and her girls with Johnny back in the picture? I don't know the answers to these questions. But I wonder. And I think I always will. I do know one thing. Johnny was ready to do the right thing, even if it was the hardest thing he could possibly do. He was willing to forgive. He was ready to love again. He was going to be the hero, because that's what his beautiful little angel needed him to be. That's what she deserved. Dear friend, the rhythm was indeed changing again, and it's a rhythm worth hearing, no doubt. For now, how about a little more music? When you're broken down alone in your solitude If you follow me there I will follow you I'm in your arms, brother 
Won't you carry me home? I'm in your arms, brother. Won't you carry me home? If you think of letting go, I would understand. If all you hold is gone, I will in my hand. I'm in your arms, brother. Won't you carry me home? I'm in your arms, brother. Won't you carry?